Welcome to the Cornerstone Pickwick Sermon Discussion Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into the previous week's sermon, explore thoughts and ideas that we didn't have time for in the sermon. My name is Jamie Wellman, one of the pastors at Cornerstone. And I'm Steve Minter, one of the pastoral candidates here at Cornerstone. And if you haven't heard this sermon yet, you can find it online at cornerstonepickwa.org forward slash resources. We'll be discussing the sermon entitled Faithful God to Enduring Saints from April 12th, 2020, where we looked at Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. I pray that it is helpful. So, Steve, Easter Sunday, we uh, stayed at home. We did not gather as a church. COVID-19 made sure that we could not gather. So how was your Easter Sunday? What did you guys do with your family? What was your day like? Um, it was. It, it, it started out interesting. Um, I, I jokingly said something to my mom yesterday when I was talking to her on the phone. Um, that we're getting back to uh, to Easter's pagan roots um, and uh, staying home from church on Sunday. <laughs> but no, it was uh, we we went to watch the the live stream or the the, the video stream of of uh, your sermon, and we had children having complete meltdowns. So the pause feature for a sermon is I, I will say that's kind of nice. Um, and uh, so we. I wonder we if we could it. implement that live. Like if there, somebody could just like raise their hands up and do a little timeout symbol, and I'd be like, all right, everybody stop. Way, you know, Waylon's going crazy. He's got to be taking into the back. We'll wait. Go ahead and take care of him. We'll wait. And then you guys can resume and then we'll start back up. That'd be nice. I, it, it would. For our church, I think our church services would last about four hours if we did that. Because I think we're at a, a 10 to 1 ratio of children at our church. I think so. <laughs> children to adults. But um, so we were actually, my wife and I were actually able to to watch and listen to the sermon while we ate lunch after all the kids went to bed for nice. naps. It was, it was kind of nice. Um, so, so yeah, that was, that was good. I mean, we just a just quiet day at home. Um, once kids were done with naps, we did zoom call with my family. Um, and then, uh, then we, we ended up over at my, my wife's parents' house. We figured I work with her dad every day. So if there's any cross contamination of coronavirus, then we've, we've already got that on a daily basis at work. So mm-hmm. we went over there, had a Easter egg hunt and spent the evening over there. So that was good. How about we, you guys? We got up real early. Uh, I usually get up. I saw before. a picture of your kids seem like they, they love that. They oh, they were that delighted. Thrilled. They I were mean, thrilled. our kids love the mornings as every kid does. It's teenagers especially. So we got the kids up before dawn and, uh, this was Sarah's idea and I loved it. We got the kids up before dawn, and we uh, found a place. We looked on maps to find, just thinking of places that we've been around town, as to where we would be able to see the sun actually rise. And uh, so we, we found a place. There's a, a nice bridge here in Piqua that goes over the river. And so it has a little overlook in the river. And So we, we get out there, and uh, about five minutes before the sun comes up, and the sun came up on time. Uh, but there was clouds, so we couldn't see any of the sun. But it was nice to just get out there early morning. I mean, I love mornings anyway, and being outside in the morning is just amazing. So we had a good time. We came back to the house and uh, had Sarah made breakfast for us, and then we sat down and uh, sang some songs together and uh, watched myself on YouTube, which which is really a delight. I mean, if you ever get the opportunity, Steve, to like watch yourself with others, I mean, it's just wonderful. I have I, I list typically when I preach. <laughs> Or even even with these podcasts, I re-listen to it, yeah. and um, I I don't know if I would use the term delight. Um, <laughs> typically, I'm like, dang, do I actually sound like that? <laughs> There's only one thing worse than recording a message in front of a camera in an empty room, and that's watching yourself 
after having recorded a message in an empty room. It's terrible. I hate it. But I do enjoy um, being able to use this technology and being able to... It is to... a good gift of God that we can continue... Because you got to think back to 1917, 1918, when, this, when the Spanish flu was going on, and they, they asked churches to not meet and things like that. It was, it was months mm-hmm. of not being able to meet at all. And then you... You couldn't. You didn't have the access to this, so it, it is a good gift of God. But sitting in church with other believers, hearing the word preached live in person, and being able to 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 worship and sing and all that stuff—that's a better gift from yeah. God. If if we want to put it on on levels like that, no, I can't wait, man. It's going to be so great. I'm going to be the huggiest man alive on that first day. Well, we looked at Hebrews chapter 12, 1 to 3, and um, I'm just going to read the passage briefly, and I want to give you just a quick summary of what the message was about, and then uh, maybe we can just kind of discuss and kind of riff off of some of the themes that we uh, walked through in that sermon. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. One of the one of the things I wanted to draw out of this, it's, it's kind of an unusual text to choose for an Easter sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wasn't trying to do something different. What I was trying to do is to draw from this idea that uh, many general, we're not the first set of Christians to have to endure time of difficulty and suffering. We're not, we're certainly not the first set of Christians to have to wait on the Lord in the middle of something that is confusing to us. So the Lord has always held his people between making a promise and fulfilling that promise. And the author of Hebrews, as best as I understand chapter 12, is trying to encourage them as they're enduring some difficulty by pointing them backwards. And that's what chapter 11 is about, is looking at the saints of old, the great heroes of the faith, those who have lived in the tension between promise and fulfillment. And they have had to trust that God will be faithful and he will keep his word to, to them. And uh, the, the author of Hebrews is then using those stories to encourage his readers and then also by implication us to endure well. So were there any things, anything about this particular passage that stood out to you? Different from what what you just mentioned, not not really. I mean, like we were we we're kind of talking before we went on air, and when you look at the, it says therefore, and and the the old adage is if you see a therefore, go back and see what it's there for, and then then the next word is since, therefore since. Okay, so so that should clue you in right away. Wait, what are we talking about here? What, what is the antecedent? What is the, the thing that came prior uh, that is leading to the discussion that we're at now? And so he's talking about this great cloud of witnesses. And this is something we're going to talk about a little bit more as we move through. Um, you start looking at this great a cloud of witnesses. This We call it the hall of faith. And um, 
you, you start reading through these names and you start thinking about, okay, these, by faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who are disobedient because she would given a friendly welcome to the spies. Um, and then you, you, you just look at the, the different people in this list and the things that happened for them. You have, by faith, Moses. You know, Moses is, is seen as a, a pillar of faith, but he's also not a really great role model in some ways. You know, he, he's a guy with anger issues who killed somebody and then tried to hide it and then f- was going to get caught. So he, he ran away and lived in the desert for 40 years, you know. And um, then you have – there's various times in Moses' life as when he was leading the people. The reason why he couldn't go into the promised land is God said, speak to this rock. So Moses hit the rock out of anger, and God says, you're not going to go into the promised land now. So these aren't good people. I mean, Samson's on this list. <laughs> Samson, like, I, you read the story of Samson, and that's not, hey, kids, let's all be like Samson. No, no, kids, don't be like Samson. Yeah, nobody says, oh, faithful Samson. Nobody yeah, that's, that. when, when you think Samson, you're not thinking faithfulness to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently, the author of Hebrews is, because he says, this is, that's one of the other names that's mentioned here. He said we could go on to talk about Samson and Jephthah and Samuel and the prophets, Barak and Gideon. Gideon, that's that's not a he's not necessarily a good role model. Gideon, the man of faith. You you look at it says God says in Scripture, don't test the Lord your God. What are the first two things we hear about Samson? I mean, about Gideon. First, he's hiding, threshing out his his grain at a wine at a wine press, and then. He tests God twice, mm-hmm. and then he questions God at every turn, and God still wins him the victory because it's not it's not the 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 faith of Gideon isn't what did it. It was the object in which Gideon's faith was, and that's God. God is the one who, who succeeded. And so, so God's so so the author's not telling us look at these people as examples of exactly what we should do. He's he's pointing to them for different reasons. He's pointing to them for us to look. Not exactly how they kept the faith, but how God was faithful to them even when they didn't keep the faith. Exactly. Is that kind of I, the idea? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think so. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a revision uh, for how I was taught how to read the Old Testament. When I was a kid, um, and I don't know if this was your experience, I, I, I presume it was an experience of, for a lot of Christians where we would read. So in my day, in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s. Flannel we, graph. Yeah, yeah. It was sweet. <laughs> we had these like sweet, they were green felt things. And you would have these like sweet cutouts of like David with his sling and his, his stones. And then you would plaster it up there. And then you had the giant Goliath that you would stick up there and plaster it on. And then you would have, you know, you have these little worksheets. I remember having the, a worksheet in the church basement with this sweet old Sunday school teacher who was teaching us this story of David and Goliath. And we would have, you know, we would be talking about what are the, what are the Goliaths in my life? So what are the difficulties and the hardships that I have to overcome? And how can God make me into a David? And, and then we would have, we would color this, but we would also have little labels that we would put to the stones even. Like how would we overcome this Goliath with faith and with, with goodness and, you know, whatever it would be. And uh, that's not exactly how the author of Hebrews seems to be wanting us to look at the story of David. How are we to read these stories? 
the 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 only constant in all of these stories is God, because the people in these stories were all over the board. You had you had David, who's a man after God's own heart, who also had an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba, and then murder her husband. David killed a guy to get to be married to her without anybody finding out. Yeah, you know, and and then you have you have uh, Abraham, great great hero of the faith, except for when he was scared of the one king, so he said, "Hey, just tell him you're my sister." And then his son does the same thing, mm-hmm. and. He God promises I will give you a son, and so he says, "Well, I'm so old, and my wife's so old, so I better I better take her 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 handmaid, right?" Mm-hmm. And his wife. So there's there, there's a, a lack of faith you see, but God is the one who's constant in all of those stories. Mm-hmm. God is the one who who is weaving them into His own story. They are not the story. God is the story, and they're being woven into God's story in spite of their own failures as humans. Mm-hmm. But God is holding them between, you know, what, one of the things that you, you mentioned Abraham, and one of the things that uh, the Hebrew uh, or the author of Hebrews says is that Abraham was looking forward. You know, God had made him mm-hmm. a promise, uh, either through some vision or whatever it is. God had made Abraham a promise that he would inherit a city and a city made without hands. And he was looking forward to the city, although he never saw it. And that's what I think is so important about this chapter is that these are our family stories. These are the stories of our spiritual ancestors that they went before us and God held them between promise and fulfillment. And they never saw, they never saw what God had completely, you know, the, the fulfillment of the promise. They were looking forward to something that we now look back on. And so this uh, uh, this is this comes kind of comes to a head I think in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 um, where the apostle Paul writes that these things he, he, in that passage he's talking about the Exodus that these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they desired them. Um, and so these things are the these stories are meant to be for us um, positive and negative examples of how we are to navigate our own time. The author does this, and uh, he 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 tries to encourage them, or he's using this these stories to encourage them to let go of weights and sins that cling closely to them, and for them to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you think that this pandemic is a race set before us that we're supposed to endure? I, I think it's it's part of the race centrally, the the race of sanctification. I think this is a a, a very interesting time for us as believers, um, where you, we really haven't had anything like this in in our lifetime. You know, we're, we're moderns, you know, we're, we're, we're in the postmodern period actually. So we are, we're, we're like those people who say, oh, well, that can't happen to me. And we look at history and we look at these great diseases and illnesses and sicknesses and things like that. And granted the, the nature of this thing, is very different from things that happened before, partly because we understand germ theory. Mm-hmm. We understand, um, how, how things are spread we can 
We can track these things real time, very, very quickly. And that, that is a good gift of God, that we, we can do that. But as believers, we can, we can fall into two camps right now. I mean, we've been in this thing for a few weeks now. And this is something that we were kind of talking about before, before we came in. So we can fall into two camps. We have the people who are still terrified. They're, they're, they're very fearful of, these, of this thing, this virus that could come get them. Um, and, uh, then you have another group of people who they're just like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm done worrying about this thing. I'm just going to go do my thing. And how dare the government tell me I can't get out of my house? How dare the government tell me I can't do this? Or how dare somebody say I can't do that? And why do I have to stand in line before I can go to Walmart? And, uh, why are they only allowing a hundred people into Lowe's? And you know, th- th- those types of things affect, you know, me, me doing my job or, or whatever. And so we're, we're worried about, about those things, but as far as this being a race that is set before us, um, I think we need to have that eternal perspective. That that the you, you look at this the 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 hall of faith as it's called there in, in in Hebrews chapter or Hebrews chapter eleven, and what he's then referring to this great cloud of witnesses. These people have gone before us. And like you were mentioning, they're, they're people who they were looking forward to the promised coming of that son. You know, you have the, the first proclamation of the gospel is there in, in Genesis chapter three, where it says where God curses the serpent and the, he, he, he curses, he, he's giving the curse to Eve, but he's giving a promise as part of that, that the seed singular seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent and his, his heel will be bruised in that. He will, he will re- inf- inflict injury on himself in crushing that serpent. And so that, that promise has been through but since the very beginning. But how many years is it from Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, till Matthew chapter 1, when we hear, which is the first time we hear about the coming of Christ? You know, 4,000 years. 4,000 some odd years. That's you have years and years. You have hundreds of lifespans, mm-hmm. all in in that time period, waiting for this coming. And so they're all looking forward. I've, I was thinking about this as I was driving and, and thinking about this. We're at a position now where we're looking back on the promise, but we're still looking forward because, and this is something that that I was looking at yesterday. Um, I sent this around to my family. It was it's. Uh, they're in First um, Corinthians chapter fifteen, and he's talking about it, Christ being raised from the dead as the first fruits of the resurrection that is to come. So not only Christ's death, burial, and resurrection isn't a one; it, it's that's not a, just a singular event for us because. We die with Christ. We're raised with Christ. But the resurrection with Christ, the, the full consummation of that thing is still yet to come. So we are, in, in a way, we're still looking forward. But I, I, I was thinking about it in terms of how our week works, right? So in, for the Jew, they worked six days, and the last day of the week was the day they worshipped. So they had six days of work where they were looking towards their rest. But then... You see, even in scripture, you see where that, that 
time of worship for believers changed. There's this phrase used multiple times. John uses it in in uh, in the book of Revelation, and then you have um, it's used a couple other times where it's the Lord's day and being the first day of the week is the day that Christ rose. So our week has been completely shifted from from bef- before Christ. So we start with rest. We we're resting in Christ, and then we're moving on to our week. Hmm. Where it's so it's completely opposite of them. And that's that's kind of how how it is for us where we're at in in redemptive history. So the history of the world, the, how redemption has worked through history. There's that singular point of the cross and the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ. And before they were looking forward, we're looking back. We're all saved by the same thing. We're all saved by faith in Christ. They were had faith in the Christ that was to come. We have faith that in the Christ that is in past. So as far as we're. we're trying to bring it all back down back around to this idea of is the pandemic uh, a, a race that is set before us yes it, it, it is but the I think the way that we're, we need to navigate it is by adopting that eternal perspective where we're we're not just looking at what's happening right here and right now but we're thinking we're trying to see the broader scope of eternity how God has he made a promise. He fulfilled the promise, and there's more promises yet to be fulfilled. This this all overarching work plan of God that we see revealed in Scripture, and we're, we're we're back away from our everyday life. We're we're frustrated because I have to wait in line to get into Walmart to do my grocery shopping. We back out of that and realize this is a blip on the radar. This is that's where we can we can have hope because. God made promise 4,000 years before he fulfilled it. But the reality is, is Christ fulfilled, it was fulfilled in Christ. But it was fulfilled in Christ as the first fruits of the full fulfillment that is in Christ when he comes again. Right, so we are, like the Old Testament saints, being held in this place between promise and fulfillment. You had mentioned Genesis 3:16 and Jesus coming in Matthew chapter 1 that 4000 years that seems so wasteful to us. That's 4000 years of just people waiting on this promise. When when Paul is re- preaching and, and the many times in in the book of Acts when Paul's mentioned preaching, he he says this I, I read this this morning in uh, Acts chapter 13 he's saying and we bring to you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, obviously meaning his, the fathers of the faith, those who came before, that what God had promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. He's connecting this. God had made these promises, and these promises are fulfilled in Jesus and fulfilled in the resurrection of Jesus. So in Jesus, we, we see the, the promise and fulfillment collapsed into one, and that now, as the people of God, like you said, we're looking back. We look back to Jesus, and we know because of all of the history that's come before where God has made a promise, fulfilled it in Jesus, that the promises that God has made to us now will be kept in the future. Mm-hmm. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, run this race well. Run it with endurance. So how, how exactly do we do that? Verse 2 says that we, we are to look to Jesus. So how does it that Jesus, by looking to Jesus... How is it that we're equipped to run this race with endurance? You had mentioned uh, keeping an eternal perspective, which I think is so so major, so major. Because I don't know about others, but I know from my own my own heart, I I tend to not keep an eternal perspective on most things. My, I tend to live in the moment, 
And when I find myself frustrated, I'm, I'm generally not frustrated by eternal matters. I find mm -hmm. my, my frustration is, is on temporary and temporal and silly things. So how do we maintain that eternal perspective that you had mentioned? I, th I think part of it is, I mean, a, a big thing is, is, is knowing scripture. Know, and, and, and when, you, when we read scripture, think about this type of thing that we're talking about because we're, we're talking about endurance, running the race with endurance, right? Um, think about the endurance required of one of these prophets, Jeremiah or Isaiah, and they're, they're getting glimpses. They're getting this, this prophecy, and they're, they're telling this prophecy to the people. You know, thus saith the Lord. You see that, that phrase used in the Old Testament, and he's, he's making promises about what's going to happen. But then, but then nothing. You know, they they live and they die, and their children they live and they die. It would be really easy to become just like God promises stuff, and it ain't happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see that happen in in Abraham's life, where he's like, God made these promises years ago, and we still don't have a kid yet. So we better take these things into our own hands. You know, I think about um, uh, the building of the Parthenon, right? This beautiful, beautiful building, and they have these these beautiful Greek columns. Each column would take a man, it would take about 50 years for a man to make. And so you would have men that would start their career learning from their father the trade of, of masonry and, and, and carving these columns. He would start his career learning these things as a young boy, and he would go through his entire life building one column. Wow. And he would train his son and then he would die. And then that column would be finished and would be taken to the Parthenon and put up. And there's 300. So you have, you have hundreds of men. You think about cathedrals. Like even the cathedral here in the United States has taken over 100 years to build. They, they, I think they just finished putting the finishing touches on it. But these cathedrals in Europe took hundreds of years to build. So how, how does that, if you're a bricklayer building this beautiful cathedral in, in Europe, and you work on the same building for 40 years. You have a long life, and you have a long life of building. 40 years, you can get really tired of putting one brick in the wall, just another brick in the wall, right? Or you can think about the fact this, of, of what this brick in the wall is going to amount to in the end. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's just, I think that's a picture because. This isn't our story. I mentioned that earlier. The, this, this is God's story that he's in putting these, these, these names in the hall of faith into. Abraham and Moses and, and David and Samson and Jephthah. And he, he's, he's injecting these names into his story. And so I think and there, there's a, a podcast I like to listen to um, called The White Horse Inn. And that's a phrase they, they like to use and an analogy they like to use is that we're not writing God into our story. God's writing us into his story. Yeah. And I think is, and if, if we take a step back and we think this is God's story and I'm playing a role in this, God is the main actor and I am just a supporting role back here doing my part for a brief time, but all of it is for the glory of God. You know, you see that in, um, if you go to, to first Corinthians chapter 15, you go to the, I think it's verse 28. He's talking about 
God has subjected everything under the power of, of Christ, and God, Christ is bringing everything in, under subjection. For what purpose? As you go to verse 28 of First uh, Corinthians, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things under some who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in and all. That's the goal. And if we, if we think in that way, because like, like you were saying, it's really easy. You're just living, your, you're living in your life, and you're, you're living in the here and now, and you, things frustrate you. And it's, that, that's so true in my life. Like I can tell you, I did not have the best attitude when I had a kid freaking out, and I just wanted to listen to a sermon yesterday morning. You know, church, we do church at this time on Sunday mornings. This is really simple. I don't understand why you're screaming right now, you know? And, like, now we have to pause church and go for a walk? And, like, how, like, but the reality is, this is what it's all leading to, that God may be all in all, that Christ may be preeminent. It's not that, my life will be comfortable and everything works out for me. You know, faith to a lot of these people in, in these, in this hall of faith meant sacrifice, pain and suffering. Yeah. But it was all for the single purpose of God's glory. Yeah. And I think as we're running a race, this race set before us, like you don't run the race when you're in the middle of a long distance race, if you're thinking about the next step you have to take the whole time and you're not thinking about what the next step is leading you to, if you're just thinking, got to make it up, I mean, obviously you want to shorten short-term goals, but all those short-term goals are leading to the long-term goal yeah. of the finish line, right? And if you're not thinking of what, if, if you're not figuring out short-term goals that get you to the finish line. You're just figuring out short-term goals for your comfort right now. It's probably going to be a whole lot easier to quit. I know. I'm, I'm not a long-term runner. We'll have to ask Matt just, We'll have to ask Matt. See, yeah. see what, what, what he says about that. But, but you're right, though. You, you, you have a goal in the end. And, and you, when you set out to run a race, you know, it's a 5K or it's a half marathon or it's a marathon. And you don't run indefinitely. Maybe Matt Flora runs just to run indefinitely. But most sane people run with a goal in mind. And that is to hit a certain time or whatever, to sit or hit a certain distance. Get away distance. from the cops. Get away from police loud. officers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's lots of good reasons to run. Um, but the point is, is that you're setting it off in the distance. You know that God is going to be... You see this even in Jesus' life. This passage that we, we looked at on Sunday. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so even Jesus himself was looking forward to some fulfillment that God had... God had laid up before him, and you have to assume that that is the joy that comes from seeing his father glorified through his obedience to his father, to, to seeing his people gathered into heaven, together the saints uh, in, in heaven. You have to assume that's all part of the joy in there. One of the things I love uh, about, I think it's Matthew chapter 25, in Jesus telling the parable, the story of the end, he's kind of doing an end times parable, and he's, he's giving... He's giving these rewards. We, we sort of touched on this in another podcast. He's giving rewards to his people uh, for their faithfulness in this life. And he says, enter into the joy of your master. And so there is a joy that has been laid up for us that as we endure this race well, without getting weary, without losing heart, enduring well for the glory of God and the joy that comes 
when we finally reach the end and we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, if you have any questions about anything that you heard today, we'd love to hear from you. You can uh, head on over to cornerstonepickwood.org, click on the Contact Us link, and you can follow us on online at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for Cornerstone Pickwood. And if you don't have a, a home church, we gather every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. when we don't have a coronavirus. That's or, right. Um, you can watch us online, as I'm sure many of you are doing right now. Uh, you can find directions on our website. Um, and again, if you, if you have any questions, don't, don't hesitate. Get in touch with us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Try not to lose my weight